Hey folks, we're here to talk about the greatest angler of all time based on our opinions. Stay tuned. Let us know what you think. That's a good one. That's a good one. Oh God, it's a toad, son. It's a toad, dude. Let's go. I wake up to a little bit of drool on my pillow. Feel like it's gonna be a bad day. Welcome to the OneCast with Ben, Pete, and myself, Trey. We're here today to talk to you about who we believe, on in our opinion, is the greatest angler of all time. Ben talking the wrong. goat. Why, goat, goat, goat. Why Ben's wrong? <laughs> I don't think there's a right and wrong answer, but we're <laughs> definitely going to let Ben know that he's wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Ben, you want to plug that sponsor? Oh, yeah. This podcast, the OneCast, is brought to you by OneCast Fishing. So if you want to join the Snagless Revolution, catch more fish, lose less tackle, catch the big ones, go to onecastfishing.com. Use the code the OneCast at checkout, save 10%. Absolutely. Hey, and I know from all of us here at the OneCast, we really appreciate everyone's support. We've been getting a lot of positive feedback and uh, appreciate your comments. And we're going to revisit some of those comments in uh, some of the later series that, that we shoot. Um, definitely appreciate it. You can find us on all the media platforms. The, the audio version, Spotify, Podbean, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If you're following our social media pages, you'll see that. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, and uh, we're putting some shorts on TikTok and stuff like that. So definitely appreciate the support. And I think we should, uh, we should jump right into it. Yeah, what I think, think Ben should go first. Yeah, let's go, Ben. What you got? The greatest angler of all time. So this is the GOAT discussion. It is a discussion. It's a discussion. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, it's all about the hot takes right now. Because everyone's going to have an opinion here, and it's all subjective, just like any sport. When we talk about the greatest of all time, it's all subjective. And so that's why we're going to give our thoughts, our opinions, our arguments as to the greatest anglers of all time, specifically bass anglers. Uh, but again, let us down, beno down below, all right, write a comment, uh, who, who your greatest angler is, who your favorite is, and why. Because uh, there's, there's a lot of studs out there over the years. But the greatest angler of all time, bar none... Is Rook Clun. Yep. Agreed? Subjective. Subjective. I'll put it this way. Rick Clun's the greatest angler of all time. In 2005, he was voted as the greatest angler. And guess what? He's still freaking doing it. That's true. 76 years old. His passion has not waned. And he is, he's not competing at a, at a local level or a regional level because he's not good enough to be the, one of the best. No, he's still in the Elite Series. And he's still crushing it. 2022, he had a 25-place um, finish, a 21st-place um, finish. But back in 19, he won the oldest angler ever, caught two nine-pounders on Championship Sunday. He broke his record from 2016, where he was also the oldest angler to ever win. And I think he caught like 38 pounds, a you know, dang near one-day record catch uh, on, on Saturday. So he was named the greatest. He's got all the accolades. He's an OG of the sport. I mean, he was winning back-to-back -back classics in 76, 77. He's got like 16, 17 overall wins. In the 100 or something, top 10s. Right? He won the, the Bass Open on Lake Mead twice in 83. In 86, I believe. An All-American in 85. When he went to the FLW Tour, he won three of those events too. In just a, uh, a few short years, he fished. So, look... He has all the accolades. He's an OG. He's still doing it. And it's, it's really the passion for me. The fact he can do it. I watched an interview of Rick several years ago. 
And he 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 landed a big one in the boat, and he had that bass fever. You guys know what I'm talking about. His yeah. hands were shaking, and he was like, "When my hands stop shaking, that's when I'll stop fishing." And obviously, his hands haven't stopped shaking. He, that passion and drive is still there, 50 years later. He and, might and, just be confusing the old old man shakes with bass fever, then. <laughs> no, I saw it. <laughs> I, he could barely stand up. That was a, that was a big bass, but uh, yeah, he's he's a, he's an OG, the accolades and. He's still doing it. He's the greatest. Yeah, he's been doing it for a long time. I'll give him that. But I, I don't know. I don't know if he's the goat. He's not a household name like like the guy that I I'm gonna say is the goat. I, I mean, Rick he Lund's was not a household name. No. In 2005, maybe in 2000, maybe he, when the, we were kids. Yeah, but that not was now. that was a fan vote. Like he was voted that by people. That's 20 years ago almost. Yeah, 17 years. Yeah, let's do that vote today. He's probably not even the top ten. Oh yeah, no, he's no. he's he's yeah. gonna be if if it was done today, the top two would probably be Rick and KVD. I mean, there's no there's no uh, debate that Rick Clun is an amazing angler. I mean, hands down, and if if he's your goat, then he's your goat. I think that uh, you you can't take away anything from these guys. No. You just provide your opinion. The KVDs, the Rick Cluns, the Denny Browers, the Larry Nixons. I mean. Those OGs, those old gangsters, like hands down, like nobody is, very few people will ever do what they were able to do. So, I mean, Rick Clun is an amazing angler. I mean, I would love to spend any time in the boat with Rick Clun. Absolutely. I mean, any of these guys we're going to talk about, we want to fish with. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. They're all let's let's not let's not get this wrong. They're all on the Mount Rushmore. They're they're all Hall of Famers. You know, they're they're all excellent anglers. you really can't go wrong. I, I think one of the cool things about Rick Clun too, and and Ben, you know Cody personally or relatively personally, like he has been a mentor to several anglers growing up, and one of those being Cody Huff, who's on the Elite Series now. And I think that's an amazing thing that when you see a, an OG angler like Rick Clun or any of the others that take somebody under their wing and kind of show them and pave the way so that they can establish their own footprint going forward, but give them those those fundamentals and in, in, in the etiquette that's needed to operate in a professional sport like that. Like that, to me, is a very act of selfless service, if you will. Yeah, I mean, they all do it for sure. But I think there's also some region bias when you talk about who you think the GOAT is mm-hmm. for anybody. If, it, if it's a local guy or somebody you grew up around, you're going to pay a little bit more attention. I know a lot of people in the North are going to tell you KVD just because he's a Northern angler and he's done what he's done. Where like Missouri, you're going to hear the Rick Clungs and the, and now Cody Huff's coming up to those kind of guys. And it's, I'm not, it's not taking anything away from them in the sport overall. And I'm not saying this is why you chose him, Ben, because he's from, you know, close to you. And I know he's caught a fish on one of your jigs, I think either in a tournament or practice. I don't know if we're supposed to let that out. No, it's okay. (laughs) It, It was a long time ago. It'll be fine. Um, 2005. <laughs> it was a tournament. But um, <laughs> I think there is some region bias because your local news, when a local guy wins, covers it. We saw, I saw it a lot growing up with uh, Ike and Ellie being from Philly and being in the in the Pittsburgh area, even though it was the other side of the state. A lot of the other anglers weren't getting covered, but when, when he did something cool, you would see it on the local news, on the sports channel or or whatever. So there, I think there's a little bit of region bias. And I know I bust your chops about Rick Glenn all the time, but... You can't take anything away from what he's done and what he continues to do. Just my opinion, he's not the goat. The physical stamina that he demonstrates still at his age is 
is bar none, man. I'll tell like you what really impressed me with him. He fished the, uh, is that, what's the big, uh, is it the, where they fish out? Is it Lake Mead that they fish? Yeah, the U.S. Open. The U.S. Open, yeah. like two years ago. I think he fished with his son or somebody, and he slept on the front deck of his boat, like out on the water while they were practicing for three days. He, he that, That's impressive for anybody. Like, I don't even want to do that, and I'm still fairly young and he yeah. just did it like blow up a little air mattress and slept on his boat i mean as long as it's good weather yeah he, he loves that place uh that lake he was very disappointed when they had to move it this last year because of the the water levels uh, but it's a special place for him going back you know winning that that mm-hmm. event twice back in the 80s um pete we'll get to yours in a second i want to hear your go but i think one of the most impressive things about rick like tournament wise and I don't remember which tournament it was, and it was it was 70s or 80s, but he won a tournament, I think by fishing all three or four days at the time, and all his fish were caught during that entire period in a 50-yard stretch, which is at one, the patience to be able to do mm. that and the commitment to be able to do that, and then finding that special spot there was pretty Wasn't that <laughs> down in crazy. Florida? Wasn't he using like a spinnerbait on a 50-yard stretch down in Florida <laughs> and catching giants? I don't remember exactly, but that sounds like Rick. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, that sounds like him. Because when he won, I forget which St. John's, it was 16 or 18. That day he caught 38 pounds. I think most of them were on the, the trickster spinnerbait. And then if you tried to go buy one after. Yeah, no. Nope. Uh, he weren't well, finding them bad boys anywhere. He, <laughs> he, he, he definitely does his own thing, too. Like, it's not that you can't teach uh, an old dog new tricks. But he stays true to what his strengths are, and I think that's that's pretty cool, especially how we uh, have advanced the the technology so much. And he's a he, he crushes man still at his age and fishing his style, like that's that's something to uh, to pay attention to. Yeah. Yep. All right, Pete. Who's your uh, before? Who's your goat? Before I go to my goat, <laughs> I want to talk about who could have been the goat, and quite the story, and somebody who I think we all would have talked about. Somebody uh, actually took notes. Yeah, yeah. And that guy's name is Brian Kirchel. Now, he might not be a household uh-huh. name for, for everybody in here, but Brian did something in professional fishing that was never done before and hasn't been done since. And and he, he won the Bassmaster Classic qualifying through the Bass Nations. Not that that was the impressive feat. So Brian was 23 and started started bass fishing. He dropped out of college. He was working part time at like a ground round as a cook. What, what year? What, what, what year was this? Uh, this he won it in ninety five. Okay, so like nine, I think it was like ninety two. He dropped out of college, was fishing a local bass affiliated club, learning about fishing, um, working part time. In ninety four, he qualified for his state team, went to Bass Nations, won, qualified for the classic. I'm sorry, the ninety three. That was ninety three classic. Fished the 93 Classic on Logan Martin, finished dead last. So nobody knew anything about this kid. Went back, qualified for the Bassmaster Classic 94, two years in a row by winning Bass Nations through a Bass-affiliated club, winning the state tournament, and then winning nationals. In 94, it was on High Rock, and he won the Bassmaster Classic on High Rock in 1994. Wow. And he won it on a, I believe it was Red Shatter Tequila Sunrise Worm that he was fishing in practice, wasn't catching anything, and it was floating by the boat. And he said, <laughs> that looks pretty good. He put it on a 316-ounce Texas rig and won the Bassmaster Classic on that bait on a ribbon tail worm, uh, fishing docks and laydowns and things. Was he the only non-pro, like, it wasn't called Elite Series, and actually won a Classic? 
as far as I've I've found, yes. So let me get this right. Brian here. Brian uh Brian Kirchell. So Brian Kirchell went to the Bassmaster Classic by qualifying through the Bass Nation, which means you have to go through uh, regionals or states, regionals, and then the the, the, the national event. Mm-hmm. He made the classic that way, extremely hard, finished dead last, but was stoked as held that he was there. Qualified the same way the next shoot and won the classic on a worm he found floating in the lake. Yes, sir. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he might be the goat. You want to talk? It's hard. That's a fifty percent win percentage. And unfortunately, five <laughs> months after he won that classic, Brian was killed in a plane wreck. Yeah, uh, he was he was going to an event for one of his sponsors, and the plane crashed, and unfortunately, he lost his life. But what could have been? I mean, he got to that level in fifty percent. And actually, Rick Clun commented. Uh, after the fact and said a lot of that was because Brian didn't have any history on that lake. He didn't have a predisposition on how he was going to catch the fish. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess it was a tough year. I don't know if it was high or what it was, but he just went out there and fished. Uh, and a lot of the guys that had done it a bunch of times were doing what should have worked and did it. But I wanted to make sure we mentioned Brian because you can still qualify that way. There's guys that have uh, every year we see him on the stage. Well, I forget. I can't remember his name, but the guy who fished a classic this year from Bass Nation, uh, that was this was a second year qualifying. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that's how Polinek got into it as well through the Bass Nation, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe his first year. I'd have to. I'd have to look. Yeah, he's a Polinek. Keith Carson's a, fished it through the Bass Nations, mm-hmm. I think twice. Other guys have gotten there, but nobody has won it. That's, that's an amazing story. Yeah, and on a on a worm. How many times we see bait float by us on the. I'm going to start picking them bad boys up and fishing them. So, uh, you know, rest his soul, but 50% in the in the classics. And I know the classics a big thing for you, Ben, on being the GOAT. So one for two is pretty good. I think you got to put that guy up there in the uh, maybe in-, in the conversation. But everybody will know my actual GOAT. He is a household name. Every single one of us watched. And I, I don't put just weight in this on tournament fishing, but Bill Dance for me. I mean, grew up watching him on TV, watched his shows, watched his videos, his bloopers. Uh, his bloopers is stuff that everybody's done at some point, fallen in the lake or or done something like that. But um, his tournament accomplishments, you know, he fished 13 years. He fished 78 tournaments. Uh, Angler of the year in 70, 74, 77. Uh, won seven times. He was runner-up uh, eight times. A 10.4% winning winning percentage. Uh, 67.5 top 10 percentage, which beats everybody. The next closest is KVD, and I forgot to write that number down, but it was like he was at like a six-something winning percentage and like a four-something, or uh, I'm sorry, a 50-something top 10. So he's got a pretty good lead on that. Uh, he won 23 national bass fishing titles, which was like the precursor to the classic. I'd have to go back and look how many anglers were in that. Um. Hall of Fame, 2001, Bass Fishing Hall of Fame. He retired at 39 to start his TV series. Uh, probably could have kept fishing, decided to go that route, and honestly feel like he is responsible for probably more anglers getting into the sport than than other folks just because of that show. I mean, he, folks I know that don't even fish and never have have talked about watching Bill Dance or know Bill Dance's name. You know, the guy with the Tennessee hat, if they don't know his mm-hmm. name. He's built a brand. He, he's probably... The first angler to brand himself, if you think about it. Kind of paved the way for branding. Everybody knows the guy in the tennis he had, even if they don't know his name. So what you're telling me is... Uh, here we go. Bill Dance <laughs> is nothing more than the original OG Guggen Squad. 
Oh. I mean, I mean, hear me out. I think he's a much better angler. He's on the Mount Rushmore, right, of of bass fishing. He he should be in the goat conversation, but you know, for his tournament success. But we don't remember because of that. Just like you said, Pete, it's because of his TV show that was fun, lighthearted, uh, a comedic approach to fishing. Falling off the boat, trolling motor, snapping rods. Guggen Squad did that, you know, about 2015, 16. Mm -hmm. Entertainment with fishing that brought a lot of people into the sport. Yeah. So. That's how we built his brand. He's he, just the he OG Goot Squad. He paved the way by showing what fishing really is. It's not going out there, running around a lake in a tournament. You know, his show was awesome because he fished ponds. Yep. He would go crappy fishing. Uh, he might go out and catch pan fish. Just overall, he introduced folks to, to bass fishing. I learned a ton watching him. I remember in high school, you know, we, they have club, you know, those clubs in high school you can join. And one of our clubs was called the Hunting and Fishing Club. And basically all it was was watching Bill Dance's videos. But I I joined that club four years and watched him all four years in high school and just ate that stuff up. You know, some of the little tips and tricks he would talk about, you kind of take and you, you adapt them and make them your own. Technology is obviously a little better, so things change there. But, yeah, for me, just because of what he did for the sport of bass fishing, paving the way for the Guggen Squad, if you want to say, or, or guys that are entertaining through fishing, on YouTube, us having a podcast, like yeah. if not for Bill Dance kind of nationalizing or televising or bringing that to, to the broader audience and the ability for a bunch of nobodies like us to sit around and talk about fishing uh, or a bunch of nobodies who have built brands themselves that are out there. You know, you talk about Google, but if you think about like Fluke Master or, yeah. or anybody that you, you, you look at content on YouTube, they're essentially producing their own show. You know, he paved the way for Hank Parker when Hank left tournament fishing. Mm. And I still, to this day, I'm 37 years old. And when I see Hank Parker, the first thing that comes to my mind, my mind is his theme song, you know, do, 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 do. And I'm singing it while I'm looking at it forever. That, you know, that is Hank Parker. I remember that if we weren't out fishing or hunting or doing something on a Saturday morning, that was on the TV and you sat there and watched it with dad and you got to hang out and spend time and, and do that stuff. So for me, he's the goat because he paved the way in the industry, not just in tournament fishing, but overall fishing. So in bass fishing, not bass tournament fishing, I think he's the goat. I, for all the viewers and, and all the listeners out there, I think that's important to bring up is how do you weigh your greatest angler or greatest, I don't know, person of all time? It, what criteria are you using? And I think you bring up a really good point. When you talk about Bill Dance you talk about a lot of family memories, at least I do, right? Like growing up watching that television series, you know, going out fun fishing, you know, in the North, we just ate everything that we caught anyways, going out and just having a great time. And Bill Dance is a household name across the world. He, he really is. So putting the tournament stuff aside, he really has made a significant impact in the outdoor industry and not just in fishing. I mean, so many people remember him. Uh, across the hunting, camping, oh, yeah. <clears throat> everything. I mean, my wife, when, when we met, didn't even bass fish. She grew up just trout fishing yep. and pan fishing. and But she knew who Bill Dance was. Her, she remembered watching it with her dad. And uh, her dad passed away a few years back, but he always called us Mr. and Mrs. Dance when we would send him the pictures out on the boat and, and doing that stuff. So even somebody who didn't grow up doing it still had that memory and knowledge of watching him doing it. She might not have paid close enough attention to learn you know, tips and techniques. But when we finally, she finally got the opportunity to meet Bill at the classic last year. 
and uh, with her dad, her dad had passed away just over a year before that. And it was, it was pretty emotional because of that memory. So that's why when we talk about, if we were talking about just tournament bass fishing, it'd be different. I would pick somebody completely different, but as, as a whole for bass fishing, when I think of it, I think of the industry and that's why, that's why I thought of him. No, I get it. I, I get it. You can't go wrong with Bill Dance. I'm not going to narc it too bad. Um, <laughs> he never won a classic. So that's the thing, right? <laughs> Trey, you brought up a good point about how do you weigh your criteria? And, you know, I look at it like I will some other sports, people who can have great regular seasons, be, be great at what they do, but you got to be clutch and you got to do it at the highest level with the biggest stakes on the line. And for bass fishing, that is the Bassmaster Classic. I think he finished second or third. He was really close a couple times um, back in the 70s, but he, he never quite got there. And when you have guys that have, well, we've got two that have four wins, um, KBD and Rick Klon, both who won back-to-back, and we've got several guys who have multiple wins as well. You know, for me, it's just hard to, to elevate him. What he did to the sport to grow it, I mean, you can't knock it. He, he may be the most influential, right, bass angler of all time. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and it's just that semantic debate, like who's the best, who's the greatest. Or we hear all this all the time talking about Jordan, LeBron, or, or I well, I think Brady's pretty much got it locked for football now. But you know, it used to be Brady or Manning or or somebody Barry else. Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders. You could throw <laughs> you know several he, folks in there. But people value things different. Yeah, that's we, right. There's different things in sports that we value. You know, when you look at, for instance, I've I grew up playing hockey. I was always a hockey fan, and most people would say who's the who's the greatest hockey player. You hear Mario Lemieux. Hear, Wayne Gretzky, now Sidney Crosby, or Alex Ovechkin. For me, it was always Patrick Waugh, like because I liked goaltending. I thought it was an art, and so that position to me, he was the greatest because of what he did. But other folks don't see it that way. The guy that scored the most goals, had the most assists. Yep. Baseball, who hit the most home runs? Who, you know, it's not necessarily the pitch a pitcher like Nolan Ryan or somebody who had an amazing career. It everybody's going to value something different. And if you look at guys like Dan Marino, you talk about playing at the highest level. He never got that that Super Bowl, yep. but he did everything else you could possibly do in the sport. But that's why he's not considered but the greatest. You, yeah, you you hear him left out of those conversations because he never had that title. It, you know, it, this is not a football discussion here, but I do want to make this point. I've got to say Brady's the greatest now just because of what he's done winning. But when I look at maybe the best or like maybe use a different term than greatest, like I still put Manning there because of how he changed the sport. Mm-hmm. Because no one was doing that no-huddle offense the entire game, calling the plays on the field until Manning was doing that. And, of course, now every quarterback in the league does that. Yep. I mean, you know, that, that's just the style of play now. But he changed that. Uh, but he doesn't have all the rings that Brady has. No. So, you know, it, it's all semantics. It's all nuance. But I mine's think it's Rick. important to make the comparisons because you valued the, the tournament accolades more mm-hmm. than, than the non-tournament accolades. And it's just using other sports – if folks are listening that maybe don't watch fishing or know the history of fishing or newer to it, you know, that it just shows that it's the same no matter what sport you're in. Now, we haven't heard from. I got I got I, I need two things from Pete, though. OK, Pete, you 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 hummed the Hank Parker theme song. Yep. Let's go ahead and hear the Bill Dance. The Bill Dance theme song. Yeah. I honestly don't remember. Well, that. in that case, it can't be the greatest. Well, I, that's, well, I, be, yeah, I mean, I you're the one talking. You I'm know. going fishing with. Bill Dance today. <laughs> there that's go. right. That's right. I, I don't needed know a little. Yeah, for some reason that one doesn't stick in my head like the the Hank Parker. Maybe because yeah. Hank Parker had the catchier tune. I don't know. The second yeah. thing I'll say about Bill Dance, I don't know if it's the second thing, but at his age, when I'm that age, 
I need a set of teeth that look that good. Right. I mean, hands down. So looks like he's got chiclets all across the mouth, and I give him some props for those teeth. So Heck yeah. But yeah, absolutely. I'll talk to you guys about mine. Yeah, we'll take a quick break, and then we'll, we'll hear what Trey got to say. That's right. All right, Trey. Who is your greatest angler? Who's the GOAT? So I, I like how you guys brought up, you know, Rick Klein, who has phenomenal tournament results and is one of the absolute greatest of all time with, with career earnings and, and winning tournaments and, you know, being 70-something years old. And then I like how Pete talked about somebody who's been influential to the outdoor industry, specifically bass fishing, but more than that. Uh, I'm going to throw out two here. And, and the reason being is they're weighted on both of the criteria that you guys talked about. When we talk about career earnings – longevity in the sport, somebody that has been around for a long time. And I would consider a household name and that's Greg Hackney. Mm. Greg yeah. Hackney has millions of dollars in earnings and I'm not going to go through the specifics, right? But he fished the, the, the FLW. He's a forest wood cup champion, which now then he transitioned some MLF stuff. He was a MLF general tire champion he fishes the elites. He's got six wins in Bassmaster to, all together. I think five of those are on the elites and one of those is in the opens. He's got an angler of the year. He's got 16 classic appearance, appearances. And he's somebody that has been around for a long time. They call him Hack Attack for a reason. He, he scares a lot of anglers, right? Like he's, he's one of those guys that dominates the shallow game. And I think he's a lot like Rick Clun where he's followed his strengths throughout his entire tenure in professional bass fishing, right? So Greg Hackney, to me, from a tournament perspective, has really been relatively consistent. He's got an AOI in FLW as well. Yeah, He's you got, pretty much know. You know who Greg you Hackney is. You know Greg's going to be out there with a jig yep. I mean, if, if, or a spinnerbait. If he's got a jig and he's flipping and he's doing that for every day, then you know he's going to be up there uh, definitely top 10 probably in the tournament because that's his style. I do want to say, though, I know you mentioned career earnings to begin with. I, I don't think, hopefully you guys agree with me, I don't think we can consider career earnings mm. at all because yeah. the OGs, they, there wasn't a big payout. And then, the, and then when FLW came along, so the 90s and early 2000s, they were giving away $300,000, I think, for yeah. Yeah. just a regular tournament. And now that's the, you know, after the recession in 08, all that's kind of dropped back. So... Career earnings is hard to determine because just because how much more money has come into the sport since. Uh, since, but man, he's a stud. He is. He's you know, he he got a rookie of the year, an angler of the year in bass, an angler of the year in FLW. He has over sixty-two top tens, ninety-three top twenties, one hundred and sixteen top thirties. I mean, just consistent all the way around. Fishes the way he likes to fish. A strong personality. Somebody that. I think a lot of anglers, when they go to 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 blast off, he's somebody that they're probably scared of, right? Um, so I enjoy uh, seeing his uh, career go along. He's somebody that I re really didn't know about until I got into bass fishing. He wasn't a household name like KVD and, and Rick Clun and Bill Dance and all that stuff. But when you look back and, and watch him uh, as he's progressed, he's definitely somebody that I put in, in Trey's category of greatest of all time. Yeah, right. if you're a bass fisherman and and no tournament bass fishing, you know you know Greg Hackney. Yeah. Yep. So, 
transitioning on to somebody and and I think this will speak to more the the younger population but definitely everybody that's involved in bass fishing right now and somebody who's been in my opinion extremely influential in the sport and has grown it not only from the tournament perspective but from the social media perspective and that's Scott Martin right so we talk about Bill Dance and his television show and how he's you know changed uh, the perspective of fishing to being more of, hey, it's not all about tournaments. It's it's fun, right? So Scott Martin, if if you're listening or watching this, I'm pretty sure you know of Scott Martin. But if you don't, his dad is Roland Martin. He's got a uh, long history of uh, being in the fishing industry. But Scott Martin started off in in FLW. He's a Forest Wood Cup champion. He has multiple wins in the FLW. He and he has Angler of the Year in the FLW. And then he fished. He made a he made a change, right? I think he was later invited to the BPT, but he didn't accept that invitation. And then he started fishing the Eastern Opens, or he started fishing the Opens, and he qualified for the Elites through the Opens. And he has one classic appearance, and he's getting ready to have his second classic appearance in 2023. But more importantly, is he's captured that journey from the FLW to the uh, into the Opens, and then to the Elites. He has over 350,000 followers, whether or not those are true followers on Instagram and 640,000 followers on YouTube. And he's done an amazing job at capturing his career and capturing, you know, those Scott Martin challenges and those television shows and all those things in the life on the road. So I think when it comes to not necessarily tournament wins, but somebody who's been influential in the modern day game, the modern day Bill Dance, if you will. And I don't know if you want to categorize him as that. But to me, he's somebody that is influencing a lot of the anglers and the youth population. And then look at his daughter. She's doing the same thing. So I, I think that I think that speaks volumes. And to me, Scott Martin, from that perspective, would be one of the greats um, from influencing bass fishing. I get it. I get it. Um I can't put him as the goat, and I don't care what people say. Too, I love his content. Um, I maybe may, may preface with saying the SMC stuff that he puts on television. I'm not necessarily a big fan of because it's very much television produced, so it's scripted. Why well, not scripted? But it's structured right because you have to have your TV ads and stuff in there. But his YouTube content the last two years, where every tournament you're getting, you know, because he films practice and the tournament. Sometimes you're getting two to three, almost feature length films. Mm -hmm. I mean, these videos are hour and a half, two hours long sometimes, and you see the whole journey. So I, I mean, it, you know, he's got the guys that can go film and edit and like his content is top notch. And I mean, I love his content. I can't put him as the goat because, you know, I've of all the tournament stuff that I put weight on uh, until he wins four classics, you know, he, he can't be the goat, <laughs> but, but I love his content. Yeah. I, I love what he's doing out there to, um, you know, visualize and help bring other people into the sport. And it, it's, you know, we, we, we have all the content from bass, you know, the the, uh, the cameras on the boat and all, but would you say it's more of an intimate type of, you're the, it feels like you're more along for the journey watching yeah, his YouTube. I do. I mean, he started that stuff in FLW yeah, and, yeah. and he, he took a lot of risk and, you know, fishing tournaments and having to do, uh, you know, videoing, uh, like capturing it on video and editing after the tournaments or whatever the case may be. Like he took a lot of risk, but he makes, 
his content feel a lot more personal, like you're saying. And I think that's a lot of anglers have the opportunity to do that. But I think what Scott Martin does very well is he's really good at marketing and sales. He's really good at bringing the viewers along for the journey. He's relatively good at the, the tournament side of the house. He's an overall good business person, right? So I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that think like, oh, he just comes from money. He comes from the family name and stuff like that. But hey, whether or not that's the case, I couldn't tell you. But I believe that he's got a lot more irons in the fire than a lot of the other anglers do out there. And I think that that's influencing the youth population to get into the sport. And like those SMC challenges, yeah, they are for television and, and they feel television, but they're also not like just tournaments, right? Yeah. Like youth, the youth population is looking at those and, and there's a lot of people going out there doing the one versus one tournaments and just having a great time. And there's no money on the line. It's just pride and stuff like that. So yeah, I mean, that's my opinion on it. You know, Trey, I, um, I liked your points there about him taking the risk, um, for the content because the hindsight now we look at it. Why doesn't, you know, almost every English trying to do something very similar or get to that point or maybe not everyone, but we see a lot more content from from these pro anglers. You know, at the time when no one else was doing that for YouTube, it is a risk because, you know, practice days, it's not necessarily a big deal. But for tournaments where you have to run your own cameras and hit record and save the clips and all, it's an added level of stress. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that you, now you, your mind is not fully 100% focused you know, on catching the five biggest, biggest fish, you've got some other distractions in there to manage that. So he took that upon himself. I'm glad he did because I like watching the videos and the content. But, um, you know, of course, hindsight, like I said, everyone should be doing it or everyone's getting into that game. But um, I like you know, that's a great point there. Pete, what do you think about SMC? I've never watched a single SMC or a single one of his YouTube videos. So oh, no? Opinion. I've, I've had my personal opinion of Scott Martin keeps me from watching any of his and that's from personal interactions, and I'll, I'll yeah. leave it at that. Yeah, it's again, all of our opinions are just our opinions, you know, and we definitely look forward to hearing from the viewers and, and the listeners. Because I, will, I, will, I should add to that, I don't put him in, in that, and it's not because of my personal opinion, but he hasn't done anything in tournament fishing for me or even in media. He hasn't reached the people. To, to put him in the goat conversation yet he may he may have a show that blows up and he may end up you know like a bill dance for for the younger generation now well, well let me just throw some numbers out here real quick so if you look at like brandon polinick right hands down great angler mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. two aois multiple elite series wins he also pushes content his followers and I don't know if you want to use followers as weight, but I do use it as weight, right? How many people are looking at his stuff? How many lives is he potentially impacting? Like Scott Martin, I talked about 350,000 followers on IGs, over 600,000 followers on YouTube. Brandon Polinick pushes good content as well. He takes a lot of risk too. He's got his film crew with him. He's got 200,000 followers on IG and 60,000 followers on YouTube. You know, Jacob Wheeler, he's got 249,000 followers on Instagram, 147,000 followers on YouTube. So I think Scott Martin, like Bill Dance in a sense, paved the way for tournament anglers to start capturing or at least stimulated them to say, you know what, I probably should do some of this stuff as a revenue source or whatever the case may be, whatever their MO was. But Scott Martin was 
kind of like, in my opinion, that modern day Bill Dance where he was like, hey, I'm going to create some television. I'm going to create some content for the viewers. I know the Googans got into it and they really, they really stimulated the social media world with their video content and stuff. But uh, from the tournament side of the house, I don't think anybody does it better than he does. I think Scott took the success of Roland Martin's world of fishing and built a YouTube channel on that. I don't, I don't give him credit for, I mean, he did, obviously he, vi- he videoed and probably sent that stuff to Netter and had it get done, but uh, it's just skewed for me. And I don't look at follower count either because uh, I can, I can buy a hundred thousand followers for 20 bucks. Oh, I totally, you know, he was genius for taking that because I think the series he did. Yeah. Remember going back to when Guggen first came out and Guggen's weren't the first ones. Like you had other people that were big in YouTube before fluke master was one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I consider one of the OGs. There was a couple guys. Guggen's are just the most polarizing. They're well, the most polarizing now, but they definitely had the most success because they blew up and they've got they got I mean they got a lot of young kids in the fishing and these some of these guys have over a million subs on YouTube, mm-hmm. right? And so very successful what they did. Of course, now they've got the big bait company. Uh, but remember when they came out and everyone like all the serious anglers were poo pooing them. They like, still are. Okay, they still do. Yeah. <laughs> That's did you, did you say bang. poo-pooing? Yes. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. He just coined that term, poo-pooing. <laughs> That's going to be our... We might need a sound. Try to that. keep it family clean. We, Don't we, poo-poo <laughs> on them. <laughs> but there was a lot of backlash, you know, from the serious tournament, you know, angler side. And... And that's why, if you go back and listen, you know, I believe they had to start their own bait company because people wouldn't work with them. Mm-hmm. And... That was a total failure. Uh, well, they're the Googans. That's why they, yeah. you know, the name Googan. The rest of the industry didn't realize the power of social media and what it was becoming. And at least Scott. Scott did. I'll give recognize him that. You're absolutely that. right. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, he. I hear phenomenal things. Like I said, I I should sit down and watch. I should put, I, I guess I need to. I, I will tell anybody listening, I'm going to watch one of his videos and I will give an unbiased opinion based upon two personal interactions I've had with Scott Martin. I will put it aside and maybe he was having a bad day. But I still think that he used his last name to some extent. And I don't blame him. I would do the same thing. I'm not knocking the guy for doing it. But if we're talking about the debate here is GOAT, right? Like, I had he built, if he was the first one in his family to do it and he built this empire that he kind of has now with his YouTube and all that, it would carry more weight to me. I think, I think what damages him in the conversation is. You know, let, being rolling sun. Let me ask it you hurts. this: Assume Tom Brady didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Would you not say Peyton Manning's in the conversation for goat because his dad was an NFL quarterback and he had all the connections? I I, would, I don't put Peyton Manning in the goat conversation. Oh, okay, interesting. All right. I mean, Peyton Manning's a really really good Hall of Fame quarterback. Ben Roethlisberger, a really really good Hall of Fame. Oh, uh, you're okay. Uh, John Elway, a really, really good Hall of Fame quarterback. I don't see any of those guys as the GOATs. I think for somebody like Scott Martin, and even for his daughter, it's going to be it, – it's, I, I can't empathize with this, but it's got to be near to impossible to, to get out from underneath the shadow of Roland Martin. Oh, I mean, he's Roland right? Martin. He's Roland Martin. So if, you want, so if you were to take it back, like Roland Martin is one of the GOATs for – creating scott martin in my opinion 
I, right? I, I can give you. Roland had a huge television show. Yeah. I mean, you know, fished all over the world, fished with. I'm at, one of my favorite videos of all time is him and Jimmy Houston in a boat in Florida fishing against each other and just laughing. Yeah. And they were, they were smashing them on top mm-hmm. water. And one was throwing a spinnerbait and one was throwing a frog. And it was just, it was a good time. And that, that, we got to see them at the classic last year. Bill Dance, Roland Martin, and Jimmy Houston interact with one another. And it was like, a childhood wet dream. Like, <laughs> these dudes are hugging, like they're laughing. They, I got pictures because we were kind of, you could see them. And it was like three old friends getting together. And so, every, and everybody was gathered around. The line for Bill Dance was like three hours to meet him. And it should be. Yeah. Um, it should be. And, and I know. And Roland had a long line of people wanting to meet him. And I know. And I think you're right. It is hard to get out from underneath that shadow. I don't know that you can. And I know people listening and watching. We'll put some of people put Roland as their goat oh, yeah. around the Mount Rushmore because when I did a video on with this for TikTok a couple of years ago, right? There was a lot of Roland. What about Roland Martin comments, right? So mm-hmm. they put him up there, um, which is why Scott went FLW to begin with, right? Yeah, he was trying to get out of that shit. Yeah. He didn't so, want to be bass like his dad. And- so you got to respect that. He made his own way. He had a very successful career, and then when FLW was bought out, he 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 went and. F- qualified through the opens like everyone else had to so you know you the, can't knock him for not no that it's the cards he was given and it's not that he hasn't tried i, I should I, maybe i should be a bit more open-minded on that but like going back to the manning thing like the football the eras and everything are so different that it's hard to compare yeah. what my dad did fishing hasn't changed a whole lot oh yes it has. Just, oh i believe look, it no, has the technology but yeah, I mean, used to have the raw sport of fishing has not changed as much as it did. Look at like when a Terry Bradshaw played football. That compared is compared to a Tom. Brady. This might be the worst take I've ever heard in my no, life. Hey, no this way. is good conversation. I, 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 I mean, out technology aside, no, we're not talking. Well, fo- football is the same. That the the sport is to put the ball in the end zone. But the the changes in rule, uh, yeah, maybe it's a bad well. I mean, think about I, I, fish it sounded management. Better in my mind, <laughs> now that I think about it. Well, no, I, I mean, know. roll with it. You know, I, I mean, but, but think. Oh, why you think about your your argument to support what you said? It, I'll throw some against it, and maybe you can counteract it. Is that one? You used to have like seven bass limits. I think you used to have live weigh in. I mean, um, dead weigh in, dead yeah, weigh in. Bonus points if fish were alive. Yeah, yeah, bonus. You know, fish were alive. Think about the reel and rod technology changes. It's not just the electronics. No, trolling it's motors uh, overall. Yeah, um, and just the knowledge people have gained since then. I mean. You know, offshore fishing's exploded, what, the last 10, 15 years. Part of that's because of the technology, but it opened up a whole nother world. So just like in football, when, you know, defenses and offenses and rules changes. And- no, you're right. I, I just look it's at out, it. made more sense in my head. <laughs> oh, Once I, you know, it's one of those things like, yeah, yeah, this makes, and then let, you say it out loud and you're like, I'm an idiot. <laughs> I'm an idiot, folks. No. Just ignore what I said. But no, you're, no, you're but you But you do bring up a good point. When you talk about the evolution of the sport, bass profession bass fishing in general or fishing in general it's hard to think of another sport that evolves as much as fishing not catching fish how you catch fish what you catch fish with you're right football is football the helmets have changed the pads have changed the shoes have changed the field hasn't changed right golf the ball really hasn't changed. The clubs change and stuff like that, but you're still hitting a golf ball into the same size hole you were supposed to hit it, I don't know, 50 years ago. Basketball, same thing. So, like, when you look at professional sports, hunting, too, like, that's changed a lot, 
right? The, the technology and stuff. So professional bass fishing or bass fishing in general, sport fishing evolves, I think, more than anything out I, there right now. I think one of the points I was trying to make is if you have a little bit of skill now, you can be more successful than having a little bit of skill then because the tools are better to enhance the skills that you do have. So if I'm a, a, a slightly above average quarterback, I can work with performance you know, performance trainers to make stronger, change my throwing motion. I have super slow motion cameras to find the wrong elbow angle, and I can work to fix all that. When We'll, we'll keep using Peyton Manning. When Archie Manning played football, you just went out there and slung a football around. Mm. Now you think about all the advantages that guys have today. They don't necessarily have to have as much raw skill as they did in 1970 or when they didn't have the electronic, the rod, the line, the reel, the baits, the fast boats. I think I, what I think technology has done across all sports is close the skill gap. And I think that's what upsets people about forward-facing sonar. I don't care. But forward-facing sonar can take a slightly above-average angler, not that any of the guys that are fishing at a high level are that, but they can take a slightly above-average angler that takes the time to learn forward-facing sonar, side imaging, down imaging. You can, if, you, if you spend time and learn how to use those tools, you can take the next step as an angler. Whereas when the Bill Dance and the Roland Martin and the Jimmy Houstons and those guys first started out, that wasn't the case. You had to understand fish, fish behavior, you had to be able to feel bottom structure with a jig and basically a telephone pole they were using back there as a fishing rod. I think that's the point I was trying to make is the eras, while the sport's the same, I think the skill gap is, is different now. Hmm. I think it's harder now. I mean... It's more expensive now. It's definitely more expensive, but if you were to look back at, like, you and, know, 25 years ago or 30 years ago, any of the major events, what is pretty much everyone doing? It's harder now. Fishing shallow. It's harder now because of a technology and the closing of the skill gap. Everybody's much closer in skill because, and I blame, I, I don't blame that, but that is solely because people are taking it, more time to learn technology. It, it, but that's a great thing. But I'm not saying it's bad at all. Because bass fishing has become such a much more popular sport. More people want to get into it. So you have more talent, you know, coming in. You know, the technology, yes. You don't always have to fish shallow anymore. You can, you know, there's no fish that's protected anymore on any anybody of water, um, and people can go find them. And, and right, there's more anglers. Uh, you know, in tournaments now, it's a hundred boat field, eighty boat field at the pro level. You know, when, when bass first started, what it was like twenty or something. Yeah. Right. There's yeah, just more people in the sport. You know, most guys right, who want to compete at that level can get the you know the best technology and put the time on the water. So. Um, yeah, I think there, it's definitely harder now. There's more people in the sport because more people know about it because of the Bill Dances, because of the Hank Parkers, because of, in my opinion, the Scott Martins, yeah. right? More people Moving know squad. about it. More people enjoy it. It stimulates a different target audience. And, you know, therefore, when you look at the influential people in the sport, it's not necessarily just because of their tournament wins. It's because of what's being captured and who's getting that message. And I think there's several angler, anglers that have done it before and who are currently doing it that are spreading good content to get people into the sport. And we, we see a lot more, even within the last five years, 
there are more people joining because of hopefully the right reasons. And I, I, it's, to me, it's amazing. And, you know, we, we look back at Rick Clunn's greatest of all time, Bill Dance's greatest of all time, Greg Hackney's from tournament side greatest of all time. And then, like I said, Scott Martin, the modern day content YouTuber doing it all right. Um, and those, and folks, those are, those are our opinions, of course. And we, we definitely would love to hear yours. And I think this made some great conversation and I might have to go back and revisit some of those, uh, some of those tournament numbers and stuff like that. Cause you know, they do get fuzzy. Um, but, uh, it's, it's interesting to see how we have all used different weighted criteria to judge who our greatest of all time are. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. an opinion. It, it has one. It's an opinion. <laughs> Opinion. Everyone has a lot of things. An opinion is like a what? Everybody has one, right? Well, yeah. we don't um, want to say that. So yeah, it's been it's been good, and I I like the the you know we we got to this technology deal, and I think we'll we're definitely going to have more conversations about technology and you know people dividing the the industry and and folks doing it because of their their hot takes and YouTube videos, Randy, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so hopefully, you guys can see. The, the the way we structure this is we just set up mics and talk fishing like we normally That's right. do if we're yeah. doing something else. Yeah, when we're yeah. when we're working on jigs or Cut, anything, cutting wood for floor models. So but, yeah, I mean, um, I it, I think it proves the point though with Trey saying it's harder now than it was back then. I agree 100 percent because it's more equal of a playing field because uh, everybody has better the same tools. skills too. It's like a carpenter. Yeah. A carpenter with better tools can do more jobs and work faster. That's true. Same for a fisherman, more efficient. You know. So, well, folks, we want to hear your thoughts. We want to see your comments. Let us know who your greatest of all time is and why. And we definitely appreciate you tuning in. Ben, Pete, you got anything? Yeah. If you're uh, YouTube, you know, subscribe to the channel, uh, the One Cast Fishing uh, YouTube page. Look for the One Cast playlist. Subscribe, leave your comments there. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, Podbean's a big one. Any of those, you know, leave a comment, uh, like, subscribe, give us a review, good or bad. It lets us know how we're doing. And uh, this will be the sixth episode that drops. So that's right. Uh, we just dropped one and two. We're fine. We're back in the studio uh, on six. So you'll see see the next three, which are kind of an overview of the professional series. So mm-hmm. uh, appreciate everybody following us to this point. And if you really enjoy it, share share this out with all your followers. And uh, yeah, interactions key. So let us know who you think the goat is and, and why Ben and Trey are wrong. <laughs> All right, folks, you heard our Mount Rushmore. We got Bill Dance. We got Rick Klum. We got Scott Martin and then uh, Greg Hackney. So there's a lot of big names left, uh, left out. Drop them. Let us know. Who would you put up there? We'll see you guys next time. That's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, God, it's a toad, it's son. It's a f- Oh, dude. Let's go. I wake up to a little bit of drool on my pillow, feel like it's gonna be a bad day.